0: Welcome to City of God, a podcast of the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Dr. Owen Strand, and I'll be your host. Join us each week as we engage the city of man with the biblical wisdom of the city of God. Welcome to City of God. Today in the podcast, manhood. Should men pursue physical discipline in their life? I posted a tweet about this recently and got uh, a fairly strong push back on it from some, and uh, enjoyed some of the conversation. You always get some interesting responses on Twitter, some interesting GIFs, if that's the right way to say it. It seems today that many people question, almost at a fundamental way, a principial level, that men should be physically disciplined. When I wrote a tweet about this, when I said that men today are often soft, weak, passive, and unprotective physical discipline is key for men. I said on Twitter, the man who is willfully soft physically is often soft spiritually. I was taken to mean by some, at least, that I was calling for a kind of what you could call swole manhood. In other words, I was calling for men to be elite in the gym, men to be all-stars at bench pressing and this sort of thing. I want to say up front on this podcast that I am in no way against a man seeking to be physically strong. In fact, I actually think men should, to the degree they can, seek to be as as physically strong as they're able in order to protect themselves, in order to protect a wife if they're married, certainly in order to protect children, to be a protector in a broader societal sense, to go to war if they must need do so. So I, I believe in men being as strong as men can be. But I don't think it's right to understand the biblical call to physical discipline to all Christians uh, in general, actually, and, I, and then I think you can apply this to men based on some different passages. I don't think it's right to interpret that call as inherently a call to get the biggest muscles you can get or something like this. I think of a text like 1 Corinthians 9.27 where Paul says this, I batter my body and make it my slave i batter my body and make it my slave in other words paul is saying here that he he is not going to let his bodily appetites such as they may be master him he is not going to be ruled by the flesh if you will he is going to rule his flesh he is going to discipline himself for the purposes of godliness uh, that discipline here is bodily physical discipline I don't think Paul is is prescribing only one kind of discipline. In 1 Corinthians 9:27, we know in other passages that physical training is of some value or some translations have it limited value, but spiritual discipline is profitable in every sense. 1 Timothy 4:8 teaches us that very clearly. So we want to put physical discipline in its proper place. We don't want to think that the apostle Paul is calling any of us as Christians to inherently think that we're godly if, uh, if we can run a six-minute mile and bench press 200 pounds 10 times in the gym, something like this. We should understand Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 9 that he is pursuing bodily discipline. He is not letting his flesh rule him. He is not going to let his bodily and physical appetites Master him. Instead, he is going to master them. He is going to be in control by the Spirit's power, by uh, uh, the power of grace in him. He's going to be in control of his body, his whole person. There's not going to be anything in his life that he doesn't claim divine grace, the power of Christ in him through the shed blood of Jesus, the resurrection applied to Paul himself through the Spirit. He's going to have that power. Rule all elements of his life. Does then the call in 1 Corinthians 9 reduce to, again, uh, pumping iron? No, it does not. I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's firstly in view in this passage or in other passages. Nonetheless, I also think it's a good thing to say that as part of the outworking of a proper understanding of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 9 and other texts we could mention 1 Timothy 4:8 uh, to mention that one again we can say that it is nonetheless good and of some value that a godly man uh, a godly person godly man or woman alike uh, discipline the body be strong be healthy be fit these kind of things so does godliness reduce to physical fitness no it does not The Bible does not say you are inherently godly if you are physically fit, full stop. But we can say by the outworking of these texts that if we are pursuing Pauline physical discipline, if we are ourselves battering our body, piazzo in the Greek, if we are bringing it under submission, if we're making it our slave, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, that is going to have effects in all of our life. We're going to be self-controlled in the way we approach our bodily appetites. I think by implication, we're going to eat in a careful way. I think we're going to pursue sleep in a healthy way. I think we're going to not let appetites we have beyond food rule us. We're not going to let sexual instincts master us or drive us. We are going to take the physical frame that God has given us insofar as we have the capacity to do this. And we are going to to try to be healthy. We're going to try to be able to defend ourselves. We're going to try to be able to defend others. And men, we know from ephesians five, twenty two to thirty three, the image of Jesus Christ, who lays down his life, gives his body for his bride to spiritually purchase his bride and defend his bride from Satan, buying his bride, the church, back from sin, Satan, death, and hell, Jesus shows us an example of a protector, a husband protector of his spiritual bride, the church. Well, that text isn't first and foremost, again, (laughs) calling us to do a lot of shoulder presses each morning or something like this as men. But if we're synthesizing these texts and this witness, we see that we're called to physical discipline as a Christian in order to glorify God. We're called to master our body and make it our slave. We're called not to be ruled in any sense by the flesh. And then men in particular are called to be a Christ-like head of their wife, a protector Uh, is included in that uh, calling. And what that's going to mean then for us, I think, if we're pursuing discipline and godliness and leadership in an appropriate way, even before marriage, is we're going to seek to discipline ourselves in a physical and bodily sense. We don't, in other words, want to be willfully soft physically in, in any sense. And by soft, we can mean fleshly softness. We could mean that, but we also mean soft in the sense that we're a sitting target for sin and Satan. Soft in the sense that there's not a toughness spiritually about us. We're not able to repel bad temptations. We're not able to stave off evil desires. Uh, We're ruled by them instead. The, The man who is in that condition, and there are many men in that condition, is indeed a slave to sin, is indeed living at least, let's say they're a Christian, they're not a slave to sin, but they're living in a kind of ongoing experience of defeat such that they never really gain victory over bodily impulses, over fleshly appetites, yes, even over the body itself. We need to put things together carefully then. We don't want to equate texts that are calling for physical discipline in a general sense, neatly with, again, your bicep curl abilities. But we do want to say, if we're thinking theologically, if we're connecting these different texts, if we're looking at the image of Christ the warrior savior, the one who lays down his life for his bride, the one who fights for his people, the one who is coming back in in the book of Revelation, we know, to defend his people and to, to, to once and for all Triumph over Satan and consign Satan to everlasting judgment. If we're working off all of these images, and if we're even delving back into the Old Testament, not even necessarily in a one for one sense, as if we're called to go to war, like David and his mighty men were called to go to war, but if we're looking even at manhood there, and, and we're recognizing that Old Testament manhood, at least in some sense, bears on New Testament, New Covenantal manhood, we're recognizing that men in the Old Testament very much did. Go to war on behalf of women and children and did discipline themselves and did physically protect others. Okay, so if we're building this whole case, a whole Bible theology of, honestly, Christianity in general and manhood in particular, then I think we are queued up to understand how it is that we should take the body and bodily discipline, physical discipline, you can call it either one, very seriously. It's not the most important pursuit. Spiritual discipline is where all of this flows from. In other words, we have to be pursuing Christ by God's grace, by God's power in us through the indwelling spirit on a daily basis. We want to be feeding on the word. We want to be Psalm 119 Christians who love God's law and meditate on its precepts not just in a 10-minute burst in the day or a two-minute pocket of our time, but all the time. We want to be marinating on the scriptures. I think this is driven from, at best, a daily intake of the Word of God, a focused feeding on the Word of God, and then we want to be out of the overflow of that Bible intake, praying. Praying and ideally, again, as I understand it, a set-apart time of prayer. We have precedent for that in Jesus' life. We know that he went away from people, for example, at different points in the gospels and, and set aside time to pray. So if Jesus did that, how much more should we do that as much as we can, fighting for that? And then we also want to be praying throughout the day. So we have a set aside time, ideally, as much as we can to pray. And we also want to be praying throughout the day. Well, all of this is spiritual discipline. All of this means that w- w- we are, in other words, focusedly pursuing. Christ by God's power throughout our days. And out of the overflow of that intake of the word and that communion with God through union with Jesus Christ, we then see our physical appetites coming under submission to God. We we see ourselves taking physical dominion of our lives, even as God has taken spiritual dominion of our lives. All this is God's work. All this owes to to God and his kindness, his power realized in Jesus Christ. And yet, there is this focused pursuit on the part of the believer to discipline all of our life as, as we are able. All this to say then, in summary, when we are delving back into the scripture, particularly in an era that encourages us all, men and women alike, to be soft, to be easy targets in both a spiritual sense and and secondarily a physical sense for the flesh, for the devil, for the world. We instead want to rebel against this easy, soft uh, spiritualism that really isn't uh, solid spirituality at all. and We want to pursue spiritual discipline, and then in the overflow of that, we want to pursue physical discipline. I want to, in particular, issue a call to men. Uh, You may never have had someone say such things. This may sound strange to you. I recognize this is a counter-cultural word. We're not putting expectations and new laws upon you, again, to be able to run the mile in a certain time, something like this. I am, though, saying my encouragement to you is to reject a culture of softness and to batter your body as Paul said, 1 Corinthians 9.27 once more, and make it your slave. What does that mean for you? There's many different things that can mean for an individual man. We don't all have the same exact experience physically. We We don't all face the same precise temptations. There are, of course, common temptations, and yet each man has his own individual walk with the Lord and thus has his own call to physical discipline that is unique to him. My challenge, though, is to men to pursue this kind of Pauline discipline. I actually think Paul's words, as I've said several times, apply to all Christians. I think every Christian should read 1 Corinthians 9.27 and be affected by it and taught by it and should thus imperatively pursue, again, physical discipline. But men are called to lead in the church. And so when I find a principle that applies to the church, I am on solid ground. To apply that to men and say in a unique way, men also recognize that there are texts that lay extra weight upon you, no pun intended, to pursue this kind of discipline. This principle then goes out to the whole church. But when a principle goes out to the whole church, and when we have teaching like that provided by Ephesians 5, and when we recognize that Jesus is the warrior savior who is returning in a very real sense for his bride at the end of all things, in Revelation 19, for example, and when we even go back into the Old Testament and see these men who protected their wives and their children and their communities, when we put all this together in a theology of physical discipline, we recognize that men need to lead out in this. So men, make hard choices. Pray. uh, Claim God's power through the indwelling Spirit. Uh, Fight the flesh. Pursue every element of physical discipline you can. In Christ, uh, rule your appetites. Rule your flesh. Don't let your flesh and your appetites and your body rule you. This is not the way the culture is going to train you today. As a man, And as a Christian, more generally, the culture is encouraging you to be a sitting duck, to be a soft target, to be ruled by your body. Listen, if Satan can convince you to live in that way, then Satan will form weak Christians. He'll succeed in tempting us. We will grant his temptations power over us, and we will be weak Christians. If that occurs among Christians more generally, that will mean that men are not disciplined and men are not strong in the sense they are called to be strong by God's grace and, and raised up to be elders in a 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1 sense. If men are not strong as elders in a comprehensive way, then the church correspondingly will not be strong. And the church will, will be a sitting duck for false teachers and weak doctrine and unsound ideas. And as a result, if you connect all these things, that will mean that the church is weakened as a result. By contrast, here's a call in the ancient words of the Apostle Paul to pursue physical discipline, to master the body by the Spirit's power, to master fleshly and bodily appetites, all out of the overflow of the call in Christ to take to take dominion of the flesh, to put off the old man, Colossians 3, and put on the new, to not be ruled by anything ungodly, fleshly, bodily, physical, but to be ruled by Christ. Thanks for listening to City of God a podcast at the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're so thankful you stopped by. We encourage you to continue to join the conversation at cpt.mbts.edu, the official website of the center. And we encourage you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Join us in coming days as we continue the conversation on what it means to be the city of God in the city of man.